0: Did you sleep for others last night? Did you wake up for others? In this retreat, as we go along, we'll explore one of the basic human conditions which are our tendency to constantly engage in the battle between what we perceive to be good and bad, right and wrong. This is the second most important birthplace of our fear. But it's related to the primary birthplace of our fear, which is ego's river of anxiety that is always at risk. Ego feels any minute now, if this person continues to practice, something could happen to me. Even if they don't practice, ego will always have that sense. How do I win is one of our life's main preoccupations, small ways or big battles. This mistaken egocentric life mission is reflected in our art and our values, and I'm sorry to say also in our religious traditions. but I have soft heart around this. It's always also a very tender personal journey whose title might be, Will I Survive? In the last several years in our country, and this could probably be said of any several years, but you and I have lived the last few, so it's front of mind for us. We have been captivated as a culture by... Exactly this, the drama between what feels like good and evil. Sides have been manufactured and lines have been drawn and eager tribes have been formed. We have plans and campaigns. We even have hats. Each one of us feels when I look at this and I watch this drama that we're on the right side. Side of good and truth. And even interesting to me, people will say, I'm on the side of common sense. Both sides say this. All sides say this. And it has sometimes saddened me to see that many people will say we should die for this. We should stand up for this opinion. This is business as usual for human beings. But one of the interesting things is that we are in disagreement about the nature of the other side, In reading and talking to people I see, we're not really clear what makes them other, except they are not me, not us. And as usual, when we don't understand why someone would be so not me or not us, there's a tendency to personify the difference itself as evil. They and their opinions, their intentions, and their list of demands could be called demons. In the Tibetan tradition, the word du, which translates as demon, is anything that stands between you and your awakening. So demons could be anger or aggression, and they could also be the five friends that want you to play pool every Sunday morning. As far as we know, this scenario has been playing out for as long as human beings have been around. At least that's the story I hear. We find it even in the early literature the battle between good and evil in our own tradition in Buddhism. The story of the day of the Buddha's enlightenment, negativity is personified as Mara. So you know, I looked up the word Mara, I thought it's not just a name, it means something. And I'm definitely no scholar of Sanskrit or any other language, including English. But it appears that it originally meant to cause death or to kill, either physically or spiritually. And then later, as the literary tradition evolved, it came to mean this anything that stands in the way of our awakening. So, in the typical narrative style, as the Buddha inched towards their enlightenment, Mara was always close behind presenting other options. I don't know if you've had that experience, I certainly have. And then when the Prince Shakyamuni was just this side of enlightenment, Mara pulled out all the stops. So as the light increases, the shadow also increases. Mara presented every form of distraction you could imagine that aggression and passion were the last tricks in the bag. There's a sutra called the Lalita Vistara Sutra and it has this beautiful verse of what happened in that moment of time at the Buddha's awakening. And it says this, seeing the frightful transformation of Mara's army, the pure being. This means Buddha, but... Pure here means unconfused. The pure being recognizes them as a product of illusion. There is no demon. There is no army, no beings. There is not even a self. Like the image of the moon in water, the cycle of worlds of rebirth is misleading. Seeing the frightful transformations of Mara's army, this is the Buddha's awakening moment, the pure being recognizes them all as a product of illusion. Not as illusion, but as a product of illusion. There is no demon, no army, no beings. There is not even a self. Like the image of the moon and water, the cycle of worlds of rebirth is misleading. Imagine a full moon appearing on the surface of water. Maybe you go out into the field, and there are some little stone bowls out there. And it's a full moon night, and you look, And there, perfectly on the water, is a moon. It's so clear, exactly as you know, the moon is looking. The moon on the surface of water, but if you put your finger in there, it gets wet, not moon dust. So it just is a way of saying it's not what it appears, it's not that it's not there, but it's clearly appearing and empty, is the word we use. So the Buddha's victory over confusion and his subsequent enlightenment, and this is really important, were not the defeat of some external evil force, some demonic other. The Buddha's victory was to vanquish the actual enemy of awakening, which is the bifurcation of the phenomenal world into good and bad. The bifurcation of the phenomenal world into good and bad, God and demons, friends and enemies, right and wrong, beautiful and ugly, pure and impure, and what my teacher used to call the disease of opinion. In Tibetan Buddhism, we love our dramatic plays And so, do appear a lot in our tradition. And so, of course, as Hogan Roshi is fond of saying, if you raise one side of something, do you have to raise the other side. It is raised. Not that you have to. It's raised the moment you think this, that appears. And so, in the Tibetan tradition, we have this, the other side, these beautiful yidams, they're called. Manifestations of mind, so the manifestation of compassion is Avalokiteshvara. we say chenrezi in Tibetan. There's green tara, in fact there are 21 taras ready to come from their compassionate heart to help you with whatever you need, all manifestations of awakened mind, and it's not that these those do are bad and these beings are good, it's that these beings symbolize transcendence from the habit of bifurcation of the phenomenal world. The meaning of pure realm is a realm where that no longer happens, where you aren't inclined. So we could ask, What does the mythic battle of good and bad have to do with me? What does it have to do with my awakening? I'm just an ordinary person. And maybe it's too much to consider what it has to do with my enlightenment. That seems for me so far away. But what does it have to do with being fearful or fearless? I've never found it so helpful to explain this but we can see it in meditation. So as you settle into meditation this morning, all kinds of experiences will arise. That's a matter of karma, we don't pick and choose, I don't know if you noticed that. The instruction is simple, put your mind on the breath and then just karma happens unfolding from something in last night's dream or from 10 lifetimes ago. We just never know. No control whatsoever about what arises in the mind. But the moment that you apprehend, if there is choice in the human life, that's the moment. So what we do, if we can, If we want to disrupt the habit of the bifurcation of everything which is not actually dividable into this and that, is we just notice it. It is, I think, the most intimate thing a human being can do to just notice their life unfolding some people, I think, will be born and live and die and not notice. I remember a man, he was a successful therapist, and he came to my office long time ago. It wasn't a Buddhist. <clears throat> and I said, what would progress look like to you? And he said, When I'm sad, I'd like to know I'm sad. And when I'm happy, I'd like to know that I'm happy. I'm 50 and I've lived my whole life in what everyone else calls successful. And I feel like I've been sleeping. When I sit down, I have a stream of thoughts. They've been appearing for 30 years now. This pain in my knee is bad but this peaceful feeling is good. This thing that's happening is progress. This thing that's happening is going backwards. But the truth is we don't know. We don't know. We can't know. So in your meditation this morning, if you could look and see for yourself, because I can't see inside your mind, even barely I can see inside my own. Can you practice without that stream of bifurcation? Can you not decide whether this thing that's arising is good or bad, or positive or negative, right or wrong, proper, not proper? Could you just bring your loving, non-judgmental awareness there? Oh. Pain, breath, peace, mischief, dignity, nameless experience, soft heart, covering up, wide open space. we're not asking i'm not asking you to stop that process one of the things that i love about buddhist method at least as i learned it was it's so gentle never a tiny bit of violence never so we're not trying to fix anything you're not broken you're not broken What arises is what arises. So when you look, you might see four kinds of things happening. So the mind is in balance, resting, and it has a certain experience and it leans towards it in attraction, like a little magnet or a big magnet. It leans away from it in aversion. Or it's so impactful that you check out in a kind of dullness or sleepiness. Sometimes we call that ignorance. Or it rests there, the attention like as if on the pinpoint of a fulcrum and it's still And it's just pure experience, pure experience without reaction. And so the mind is at peace as it watches. None of these things are right or wrong, but watch this morning your awareness and get to know it. So settle into the body, find your upright, royal posture. Like all kings and queens and non-binary royalty, you rest in dignified repose. And connect with your breath, not manipulating. We practice that when we're awake and doing other things. Just letting it be. Aware of sensations in the body, the tones of feeling. And as you settle little packets of mental activity like fireworks, a memory or thought, Having settled in this way, <clears throat> we engage in refuge. I take refuge in the Buddha, one bright mind, not separate from my own. I take refuge in the Dharma words of wisdom, but even more so the wisdom that arises in ordinary experience. I take refuge in the Sangha, the community of those who walk the path of truth together. I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha and then giving rise to the noble intention of bodhicitta, awakening heart or awakening mind. To relieve the suffering of the world, I will practice now with open heart and all my might for others and settling in and not in a hazy cocoon of drowsiness. Raise your energy up. Shamatha, this practice calm abiding should be stable and clear. And then just notice your experience. Is the awareness balanced on the fulcrum of equanimity, not dividing? Or something else?